Enough already with the Tyrese Halliburton was betrayed by the Sacramento Kings narrative. It is tired. It is old. Look, I don't care how Tyrese feels on the situation. He's entitled to feel however he wants to. What I do care about is this is now the third time that some kind of story has come out of Indiana about Tyrese's feelings for the Sacramento Kings, painting the Kings out to be the bad guy. They're not. We'll talk about it on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports producer and reporter at ABC 10 News here in the California capital. And I covered Tyrese the entire time that he was here in Sacramento from draft night uh, to being traded before the trade deadline last season. I covered him. That doesn't mean I know him personally. That doesn't mean that I have a super in-depth idea about how he works, his personality, how he handles situations like this. But from my understanding of who Tyrese was, from my impression of Tyrese in interacting with him, mostly digitally because of of COVID during uh, his time here in Sacramento, I had the same impression that almost everybody had when interacting with Tyrese, that he's a phenomenal young man, a very bright and uh, likable young man, got a great personality. uh, And while I am sure he's emotional, I wouldn't necessarily describe him as someone who wears his emotions on his sleeve. I do know for a fact that he was excited to be in Sacramento. I know for a fact that he expected to be in Sacramento for a long, long time, but I can't say without any confidence that I that I know Tyrese is not someone who maybe thrives off of sympathy that Tyrese himself isn't the one dragging out this narrative now that the Sacramento Kings betrayed him or or broke his heart in some way shape and form in fact I'm pretty confident in saying that it's not Tyrese necessarily continuing this conversation or continuing this narrative he's being asked about it and Tyrese is always open about and he always elaborates on his answers so it doesn't surprise me necessarily that this narrative is continuing or that Tyrese is speaking so openly about what happened and his feelings towards the Kings organization after being traded again I don't think necessarily based off my interpretation of Tyrese I don't think that he is seeking the sympathy of the NBA fan base that he's seeking um, any kind of validation for how he felt after being traded. But again, I don't, I don't know him personally. I do believe that this is a continued narrative, mainly from a media standpoint than it is from Tyrese putting this out there. And if you're kind of confused with what I'm talking about for the third time, since he's, since he's been traded some kind of quote, or video has come out of Tyrese speaking about his feelings towards the Sacramento Kings. And it doesn't surprise me that we got a quote directly when he, when he arrived in Indiana and he spoke very openly about how he was shocked and surprised to be traded. Then a a longer piece came out where Tyrese kind of explained and described what it was like to be traded and how he was blindsided in a way by the Kings organization. Like uh, that, that was expected, but here we are now it's the middle of August. I know it's the 
kind of dry, dead period of the NBA offseason. So news is news. And I guess uh, the the uh, I think it's the is a Bleacher Report article uh, that this latest quotes and these latest comments are from. Uh, I mean, I guess they're doing their job because people like myself are, are talking about it here in the middle of August. And I guess thank them for giving me content to talk about here in August. But at this point, there's an annoyance with reading what I'm about to read for you. There's an annoyance with hearing about it again. And it's it's partially an annoyance with Tyrese Halliburton, mainly an annoyance with the narrative, not even an annoyance with Bleacher Report necessarily or the reporter that asked him about it, just with this narrative that's being created. Here is a quote uh, from Tyrese Halliburton on the Kings trading him to the Pacers. This is recent. He said, for a while, it was just complete resentment towards honestly everybody in the organization, if I'm being quite frank, even people who had nothing to do with the trade. The other day, I was just writing down regrets I have in my life, unfulfilled expectations, resentments, and the only resentment I could come up with in my life right now is the Sacramento Kings. And it's like, I don't want to hold on to that. If I'm being completely honest, that trade is such a blessing for me. The end of that quote, I have no issue with. The trade being a blessing for him, that's good. That's actually something we're going to focus on because I think Tyrese and the Indiana Pacers are ultimately in a better situation for what they want to accomplish, and the Sacramento Kings are certainly in a better situation for the trade that they made. I'm going to start with Tyrese, and that this will be the last that I really say about Tyrese. He is entitled to feel however he wants to feel about this. If he feels resentment towards the Kings organization, if he feels wrong by the Kings organization, he is a-okay to do so. And look, he has the context that we don't have. He lived it. He went through it. He got a phone call out of the blue from his agent saying that he had been traded. He had to text and call his teammates who didn't believe him that he had been traded, right? He had to go through that. I didn't have to go through that. I'm not an NBA player who's ever been traded and had my life completely uprooted and gone from a, a city on the West Coast, my hometown in Sacramento, all the way to Indiana. I've never had to go through anything like that. So, I can't really speak on that. Tyrese is entitled to feel however he wants to feel. I will say this is the NBA. This is a business. And while the line, this is a business, doesn't justify ownership or anybody treating players wrongfully or undermining players for their feelings on very real life situations. And I've said this a million times on this podcast. They are human beings too. I do not blame Tyrese for having a hard time dealing with having his life completely uprooted or, or dealing with feelings of not being wanted. I understand it's really hard to separate personal from professional sometimes. I know I struggle with it in my own daily life. So I have no issue, truly have no issue with how Tyrese is feeling. I do think that hopefully he will recognize or does recognize or eventually will maybe, I don't know if mature is the right word, but eventually he'll understand that he probably does understand. Tyrese is a smart guy. I know he understands why the Kings made the move. I bet it's a chip on his shoulder to prove that the Kings made the wrong move, that they shouldn't have traded him away, that they gave up on him too earlier, that he is going to be a better player or would have been better for the Kings in the long run than the Tyreek, uh, excuse me, Tyreek, the De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis uh, uh, partnership. If he, if he feels that way, that's, that's fine. I expect him to kind of have that chip on his shoulder. I expect him to understand or at least get an idea of why the Kings made the move that they made. I also don't think, I personally don't think that Tyree should be taking it as hard as he is taking it. Like I, I look at it in a very different situation to like what happened with DeMarcus Cousins, right? Where the Sacramento Kings told DeMarcus they were resigning him. They celebrated uh, basically a contract extension before it was signed. And then they traded him 
while he was away on the all-star break. Like that's a completely different situation. DeMarcus has his own feelings on that situation. The feeling of betrayal, the honestly venom and, 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 and maybe hatred. I don't know if that's the correct word that he has towards Vladi Divac still uh, like that's that I look at those in completely different lights. And sometimes it feels like the picture is being painted out that Monty McNair and the Sacramento Kings are bad guys that they mistreated Tyrese Halliburton the same way. A lot of people believe they mistreated DeMarcus cousins. Like I don't agree at all. Like you look at the situation and it just, it, the, the narrative is what's tired for me. The narrative is what's frustrating for me because how can you blame the Sacramento Kings for making a move that makes sense for them? That does make them better. Like that's, what's crazy about this entire situation is both teams pulled off trades that improved them. Well, maybe improves is not the right word for the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers were clearly starting a rebuild. Beginning your rebuild with Tyrese Halliburton is a fantastic move for the Pacers. Fantastic move. I will never say anything bad about Tyrese Halliburton. I think he is going to be a fantastic NBA player. I think the Indiana Pacers hit a home run with pulling off this trade and getting a player like Tyrese Halliburton. At the same time, too, I think the Sacramento Kings hit a home run by acquiring a two-time All-Star in DeMontis Sabonis, and the main piece they had to trade away was a player who hadn't played two seasons in the league yet. I know Tyrese has incredible upside. He hasn't realized it yet. And here's the reality. The Indiana Pacers are going to be garbage next season. Can we be real with this? The Indiana Pacers are going to be bad next season. And that's okay. That's what we expect. That's what they expect, I, I, I'm imagining at this point. Like, they got a young team. They got, they're figuring things out. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be the man on that roster. And that's what he wants. And rightfully so. I think Tyrese is going to have great games. He's going to put up big numbers at times. And the Indiana Pacers are going to be a well below 500 team. Okay. Now, the Sacramento Kings, on the other hand, they have to put up or shut up. We know this. We've talked about this a lot. The Kings have to make the playoffs this year. And if they do, suddenly none of this crap matters. It probably comes up again if the Kings lose DeMontis Sabonis in free agency. And hell, at that point, two years from now, if DeMontis Sabonis is gone, then you damn right I'm turning on the microphone on this podcast and going, well, that was an absolute disaster of a move for the Kings. They traded away Tyrese Halliburton, got two years of DeMontis Sabonis. Even if they made the playoffs in both those years and ended the, the playoff drought, here they are with nothing. Like, we'll get to that. That will happen. I'm not going to ignore that by any means. But I am going to now ignore these narratives, this, this idea that the Sacramento Kings betrayed Tyrese Halliburton in some way, that the Sacramento Kings mistreated Tyrese Halliburton in this situation. It's like everybody just expects, and I know the Kings are low-hanging fruit, everybody just expects, I saw a comment on Instagram, someone saying, wow, the Sacramento Kings finally had a good player and they traded him away. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, the Kings have a lot of good players on this roster right now, and they traded a good player for a great player. They've traded a high upside player for a proven all-star. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And if you want to put an asterisk next to DeMontis Sabonis' all-star status as a big man in the Eastern Conference and someone who was not an all-star starter. Okay, fine. Like, the Kings will take that at this point. He was still a freaking all-star. He's still one of the better players at his position in the NBA. The Kings clearly upgraded. And yes, you have to give away something valuable 
to upgrade that significantly. And here's the reality. Tyrese Halliburton was the most valuable trade chip the Sacramento Kings had because he's young, has tremendous upside, and contractual control. Versus De'Aaron Fox, who is a better player than Tyrese Halliburton, might still have a better overall career than Tyrese Halliburton, but was on a significantly bigger contract that has little value or is actually a minus value to a team like the Pacers, who is rebuilding and not trying to win right away. Why is that so hard for people to understand? Why is that so difficult for people to wrap their brains around? The Kings made a move to improve themselves. They have a win-now window that the Indiana Pacers clearly don't have. The Pacers are beginning a rebuild. The Kings are in year freaking 16 of it, right? They've failed rebuilds over and over and over again. They view their window to strike as right now. They have De'Aaron Fox entering his prime. They have Harrison Barnes still on this roster. They said, we need to partner Fox with someone that he has not had the opportunity to play with yet. We need to give him a big man that Marvin Bagley was supposed to be here in Sacramento. And they went out and got it. And the most they had to give up was a second-year player. Plus, don't get me started on the, oh, they also had to give up Buddy Heald. Oh, the Kings stupid. They gave up Tyrese and Buddy Heald. No, the Kings included Buddy Heald in that freaking trade because they wanted nothing to do with him. They're like, they're done. Buddy was ready to move on. The Kings were ready to move on. Buddy's had a bunch of money on his contract. The Kings didn't want to pay. The Kings required Indiana to take him in order to pull off that deal. So let's not get that twisted either. All the narrative spinning around this Kings-Pacers trade, it doesn't surprise me that so many of them mock the Sacramento Kings or question what the Sacramento Kings are doing and I get it, but at the same time, this one to me is starting to be the most tired. This poor Tyrese Halliburton narrative. Again, I don't. Uh, Tyrese can feel however the hell he wants to feel, and you know what? If he if he's asked about his feelings on the situation, he can speak openly about it. I I'm, I'm assuming that's what this quote is. He's speaking openly about a situation that was tough for him. So. I don't think Tyrese is going and tapping on a microphone or, or waving for reporters to come up and, and call a press conference so he can complain or cry or speak his frustrations or his, uh, his, his, his sadness at what the Sacramento Kings did to him. I don't think that's what's happening here at all. This is not an anti-Tyrese Halliburton thing. This is an anti-dumb narrative that the Sacramento Kings are somehow the bad guys, somehow in the wrong for trading away an asset to improve their roster. That's what every other freaking team in the NBA would do. We've seen it time and time again with 29 other teams trading away good young players for more solid, established, all-star talent. We've seen it a thousand million times around the league. This narrative is nowhere to be seen. But because it's the Sacramento Kings, okay, all right, well, the Kings are the bad guys. The Kings, how dare they trade away a young player who's a likable guy in order to, I don't know, be a better basketball team. Granted, that part is still yet to be seen. Are the Kings a better basketball team? In my opinion, absolutely. And it's not because Tyrese is holding them back at all. They've improved their roster dramatically. They did it at the trade deadline, and they've doubled down on that this offseason. But of course, they have to prove it on the floor, and I think they will. And then hopefully this ridiculous narrative goes away. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by our friends at Rocket Money. Why did Truebill change its name? Remember, I've talked about Truebill a lot here on the Locked on Kings podcast over the last season. It's now called Rocket Money. And why did Truebill change its name to Rocket Money? We'll tell you what we heard. Truebill is now backed by Rocket 
companies, and they've grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, canceling subscriptions, and more, saving each of their members on average $700 a year. For me personally, I'm being saved $900 a year because of this app, the amount of subscriptions that helped me cancel, not just the ones that I didn't know about or had forgotten about. I'm talking about the ones that are difficult to cancel. Like companies sometimes make their subscriptions hard to cancel or they automatically renew their subscriptions really without you realizing it so they can get your money. With all that growth comes the next evolution in Truebill's story, which of course is the new name to uh, to the rocket money. Start canceling your unused subscriptions and save money at rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA or download the app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and start saving your money today. You've heard me say many times that I think Rashawn Holmes coming off the bench for the Sacramento Kings is going to be a major positive for this team. I like Rashawn Holmes a lot. I have not forgotten how important he was to the Kings over the last couple of seasons. Granted, last season with all the stuff going on off the floor, plus the numerous eye injuries that Rashawn had, it was a very difficult year for him. I look at the majority of time that Holmes has spent in a Kings uniform versus last season, and I choose to believe the majority of time is who Rashawn is. We have seen Rashawn be more of that hustle, energy, hardworking, big that has been a positive for the Sacramento Kings than we've seen him struggle like we saw last season. So let's not let one season and a very difficult circumstantial season completely change our opinion on Rashawn Holmes. Now, I do believe that Rashawn off the bench is an asset. I don't believe that a Rashawn Holmes DeMontis Sabonis lineup is a good idea at this point in time. I hope in, whether it's in training camp or maybe a few minutes in preseason, we get a chance to see it so we get an idea. But based off of my understanding of who Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes are as players, who they've been throughout the majority of their career, I don't think it works. Like, I don't know what Mike Brown's rotations are going to look like in terms of minute distribution. I know it's going to be heavy on Sabonis, heavy on Fox. What's great is... If Sabonis ever gets into foul trouble, I think Rashawn Holmes is a more than capable replacement that can come in. And of course, there's going to be a drop off, but it's not going to be plummeting off a cliff. But I don't think the Kings can find a way unless Sabonis is injured or in foul trouble to get Rashawn Holmes 20 minutes a night. I don't think that exists anymore. I think Rashawn Holmes is a 12 to 15 minute player per night maximum. And even that might be too high because I, I don't see a situation where Rashawn Holmes and DeMontis Sabonis sharing the floor is a good idea. Defensively, maybe it, it has its positives. Rebounding-wise, it should definitely help the Kings if they need more rebounding. But offensively, I think it's a nightmare. You focus so hard this offseason on improving your spacing. You've gone out and got a bunch of shooters, guys who fit next to Fox and Sabonis, who are going to draw at least attention away from the paint or bodies outside of the paint so Fox and Sabonis can do their job. Rashawn Holmes... While we've seen from his time with the Philadelphia 76ers, he's capable of shooting and hitting three sporadically. And I've, I've seen Rashawn work on his three-point shot in his time here in Sacramento, and it's looked good at times. Of course, that's warm-ups and in the practice gym versus during an actual NBA game. But if neither Rashawn or DeMontis Sabonis are going to be able to consistently hit that shot and space the floor, I think it's a net negative for the Kings. Defensively, maybe it has a little bit of a, a, a boost, but if it, we're not talking about someone who's like prime Tyson Chandler rim protector or like Nerland's Noel rim protector, right? Rashawn Holmes is not known for his rim protection. I think he can absolutely be a better rim protector. He's an athletic, long, 
vertical big. Like I, I think Rashawn could be a good rim protector for the Sacramento Kings, or at least solid for what the Kings are asking of him and what they need. But that's not his game. Rashawn's game is he's a pick and roll, athletic, big. Pick and roll, by the way, is primarily going to be a role of DeMontis Sabonis with De'Aaron Fox or Davion Mitchell, or whoever the primary Kings ball handler is at any given time. So having two primary offensive pick and roll scoring bigs who can kind of help defensively and, and sort of kind of help rebounding, I, I should say that for Rashawn. Rashawn's rebounding has always been kind of up and down. DeMontis Sabonis' rebounding is fantastic. It doesn't work. I don't think it works. So I personally am not a big fan of the idea of DeMontis Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes sharing the floor together. I think it's going to have to be sporadic. And of course, if one has to play over the other, it's obviously going to be Sabonis. I know that might be a tough pill to swallow for Rashawn Holmes after working his ass off to earn the starting spot and then get the contract that he got last offseason to remain the King starter. Look, things happen. But I don't believe that we should just throw away Rashawn's value or forget about how valuable Rashawn Holmes was. Because I do think he is going to be someone who can come off the bench, even if it's in spot minutes, and can provide a spark for the Kings. Maybe so much so that Mike Brown decides to keep him in the, the game a little bit longer and give Sabonis even more of a rest because Rashawn is having an impact on the game. And remember, Rashawn has done that a number of times. Rashawn is capable of coming in, and whether it's with his push shot on offense, whether it's with rim protection, running the floor, just his overall hustle and energy, Rashawn can change a game. Rashawn can spark a run for the Sacramento Kings or can really get a team going. And I think that is a very valuable asset to have as a big off your bench when he doesn't have to be a sixth man. Rashawn is not going to be a sixth man on this team. He's probably going to be at best eighth, maybe ninth. But to have that much value from someone, that's very different from what the eighth and ninth man was on the Sacramento Kings last season or the season before, right? And like no disrespect to like an Alex Len, no disrespect to a Damian Jones. Like they'd come in and they'd do their job. And I like Damian Jones a lot. I thought Damian Jones did a good job from time to time. But the Kings weren't necessarily, well, sometimes they were, and this is why they were a bad team, relying on Jones to come into a game and have a game-changing effect or to help turn the game around for the Kings. I expect Rashawn, and I trust Rashawn's ability to do that a lot more than I would trust Damian Jones' ability to do that. Plus, the Kings, hopefully, don't have to rely on that this offseason. Whatever they get, or rather next season, whatever they get from uh, Rashawn off the bench is going to be icing on the cupcake or on top of already the success that they're having with Fox and Sabonis, hopefully with Kevin Herter and Malik Monk on the perimeter, Davion Mitchell and Harrison Barnes defensively, Keegan Murray just all around. Like it's it, hopefully Rashawn is just another layer to a successful cake, I guess. That's the that's the metaphor I'm going for. Cake metaphor. You're welcome. Hopefully it's they all work together in tandem. And Rashawn, I do think, can add another layer of sweetness, layer of frosting, if you will. I've seen people asking about it. Don't worry. We are still doing that NBA or Sacramento Kings opening night ticket giveaway. I'm doing it. You held up your end of the bargain. You got Locked on Kings to over 250 reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. So I got you. The thing is, though, individual tickets not on sale yet. Also, it's too early. So 
once we get to early October, once we get to preseason time, I will get those tickets. They are going to be lower bolt tickets. And yes, I will be giving them away to a Locked on Kings listener. A pair of opening night tickets for Kings and Portland Trailblazers lower bowl inside the Golden One Center. It is still absolutely happening. I promise I will not forget, and I will inform you a little bit down the road about how you can enter to win those tickets. Do not worry. I have not forgotten. I will never, ever, ever, ever not hold up my end of the bargain. I'm going to be doing that giveaway. Also want to do, at some point, a Kings uh, jersey giveaway here this season. Uh, I'm going to be trying to do my best to reward all of you for the phenomenal support that you've shown Locked on Kings, not just this offseason, but just overall, over the last five years and some changes I've been doing it. I'm so thankful and so grateful for that and i can't wait to treat uh two of you to a uh to uh, the, the king's opening night game against the portland trailblazers on october 19th tomorrow on locked on kings i'm going to be joined by jason anderson from the sacramento b he and i i'm sure are going to touch on this tyrese halliburton situation a little bit we're really going to dive into mike brown joining the sacramento kings the kings are putting a lot of faith into mike brown because of his reputation as a defensive coach to save this team defensively but is that too much to put on a coach in the modern nba jason and i are going to discuss that amongst a uh, a handful of other kings topics so see, please join me for that on the next episode of locked on kings until then my name is matt george you have been listening to the locked on kings podcast part of the locked on podcast network